Welcome to the Gay Buddhist Forum, where teachers from all schools of Buddhism offer their perspectives on the Dharma and its application in modern times, especially for LGBTQI audiences. These talks are offered freely to the world and made possible by appreciative listeners. If you would like to support our efforts to share the Dharma with underserved audiences, please visit gaybuddhist.org. There you can donate, find a list of upcoming speakers, or enjoy many hundreds of these recorded talks dating back to 1996. Okay, before we hear from our guest speaker today, um, it's our tradition to go around and introduce ourselves, take a little time or a breath in between so it doesn't go too quickly. And if I may, I'll begin. My name is Roy. Douglas. I'm Leonard. I'm Shantanu. My name is Gary. I'm Mario. I'm Peter. Rook. Excuse me, I'm Ty. Rob. I'm Peter. Rob. I am Manuel. Eric. I'm Jerry Martin. I'm Robert. I'm Jesse. David. I'm Sam. Mark. I'm Clint. I'm Lee. I'm Richard Azzolini. My name is Jim Stewart. I'm Mark. Peter. My name is Tom Broom. My name is Ray Dowder. My name is John. Rick. I'm Jack. I'm Jerry. Talks one. I'm Jerry Jones. I'm Balmy. I'm Doria Martinez. <clears throat> I'm Jay Davidson. Max. I'm Steve. William. Morning, I'm Kaleo. Cass Brayton. George. My name is Michael. I'm Fernando. Hi, I'm Alzac. Hi, my name is Jim. And I'm Ari. Okay, thank you. Our speaker today is Jennifer Garazan, a singer, songwriter, teacher, and activist who started her journey into meditative trance music and wordless chanting and singing in 1995. In her musical career, she has made eight albums exploring music as a spiritual practice from cross-cultural, traditional, Buddhist, and contemporary perspectives, which she'll share with us today. She teaches at the California Institute of Integral Studies in the Department of Philosophy and Religion and has been involved in Buddhist practice for many years. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, what a pleasure to be back here with you. Just so, 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 just so great to see that you're all, you keep coming. And, beautiful faces, so thank you for being here and for inviting me back. I didn't do a lot of um, (coughs) planning today. I thought I would just sort of, I wrote a few things down and sort of feel into what emerges. Um, I think I've talked a little bit about my own life and journey when I've been here before, but I'll just say a couple things and then... (coughs) I'm going to weave the words with quite a lot of chanting and singing with you today. How does that sound? Great. So I was raised uh, 
sort of good Catholic girl, I guess, in the uh, prairies of Canada. And um, <coughs> I was raised at a time in Catholicism that was called um, was post-Vatican II, which was kind of um, a little more progressive than what had come before, let's say. And um, so I wasn't uh, given kind of the real extreme uh, theologies uh, around uh, many things, including sexuality. But there was a lot that was unspoken that, um, and a lot of messages I got uh, nonetheless. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later, but um, I, my journey ended up bringing me down to California eventually. And um, in my 20s, I had done a degree in um, comparative religion in, in Canada and then moved here um, with a kind of thirst for art and music and uh, gay community and politics and kind of a new spirituality and many different things that many people, I think, came out to California for <clears throat> in those times. It was in the early 80s. It was a very interesting, interesting time. But like many people, I uh, found my, if you think back to your 20s, my 20s were wonderful and full of chaos. And uh, very, you know, a lot was going on, and um, I was in a community that was very exciting, but also quite, kind of interpersonally chaotic, I would say. And so um, I eventually came to the Dharma initially. Well, you know, I studied it in university. I studied Buddhism in university, but I never practiced the Dharma. We learned about the, you know, the, 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 the noble truths and the, you know, we learned all of it. So we thought we sort of understood Buddhism. But I had to encounter a really challenging time in my life in order to seek out mindfulness practice, meditation practice which, you know, they talk about the different doors, the different gates into the Dharma, and, you know, distress is one of them. <laughs> and we might be able to relate to that. <laughs> and so it's often, you know, when you look in retrospect, a lot of people see it as kind of the time that, the, you know, the suffering was a great gift because it opened this path of wisdom and incredible teaching and insight that might have not come. So... I honor that uh, time in my life, and it's what led me into the beginnings of practicing since the early, uh, since sort of the mid-80s. And because I was a musician, I was always sort of on the lookout also for what was happening within the communities of, uh, that I was part of, which is Vipassana and Zen, and I'd gone to Plum Village and that was uh, Thich Nhat Hanh and many Pema Chodron retreats, and then uh, some Tibetan practice. and. Um, always looking for the musical piece to see if it was there, which it is in some ways, in all traditions. And I traveled a lot to Asia and Korea and Thailand and uh, Vietnam, and, and definitely there's um, chant in all um, Dharma traditions. And it manifests in different ways according to the cultural context that it finds itself in. And then when it comes over here, we get a certain version of it as well. Uh, but, you know, certainly in, in all uh, meditation traditions, chant has been highly valued as a practice. And so I wanted to just start today with doing a really simple chant with you. And it's really a kind of, it's a way of being present, just like sitting meditation is. Um, 
And it's a very energetic practice because when you're sitting, you're being present, you're holding your experience. <coughs> and when you're chanting, you're actually kind of, you know, applying vibration to the body, really, as you're sitting. And we could go on, I could talk forever, this is what I do in my class at CIS about the ancient teachings about chant and the new science, the brain science, about the effects of things like chanting and drumming on the brain, and there's clear uh, evidence that it has extraordinary effects on us, just as we have evidence now uh, that meditation does, of course. So, um, we'll just do this first chant, just maybe for five or ten minutes, and you can just start to notice um, how it affects you. But these chants, this is a Tibetan chant, and often the chants that come from the Buddhist tradition are, are kind of calming, um, centering practices that help quiet the mind. And we all know, you know, the mind is um, really kind of an interesting thing. There's nothing to do about it. We all have it. And it, it just throws up so many thoughts all the time that are useless. And, and sometimes a lot, and, and often very unhelpful, as we know. And we, it runs us around, and I mean, I know this about myself. If I actually made a list of the things I believed and have believed, that I acted on and that sent me spiraling, and then really, you know, took time and watched how my life unfolded, so, as we know, so many of those thoughts are not true. And yet we, we somehow we keep believing that they are. And so these practices can help settle the mind so that the spacious, the spacious kind of awareness emerges in us. And that is the place that we can contact insight and wisdom and really know ourselves um, from. And that's where a lot of people, you know, that's where there's great relief. A lot of us get great relief in that, in that space. That's why we do it. So um, that's really the, the goal of the, of the chance. And, and you'll, you know, it doesn't mean that that outcome, of course, is going to happen immediately, or, but it, it can impact us on many levels. Um, and uh, so just, we'll just chant it and enjoy yourself. You, know, it's not, you don't have to get too tight or you know, just relax and enjoy, and especially relax. We're so type A and we've gotten so, our culture is speeding so fast that our, our, sometimes our spiritual practices just become one more thing that we have to do and check off the list, right? And, though, and so to really just give ourselves this moment of, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be anything. I don't have to fix anything. I don't have to change anything. And I can just enjoy this chant in this moment. So the sounds that we're going to chant are the sacred sounds, Om, Ah, Hum. And they say the Om opens the vision center, the Ah the throat and the whom, the heart. And you can sing it wherever in your range is comfortable. And,
So I woke up on Valentine's Day a couple weeks ago. And, um, you know, Valentine's Day is a kind of strange holiday. Some of us love it, some of us hate it. Some of us just want it to go away or just neutral. And um, I found myself sending a quote to all my friends. And um, the quote is, um, many of them were surprised to hear that the quote is attributed to the Buddha. And it goes like this. You can search the whole world over and never find anyone more worthy of love than yourself. You can search the whole world over and never find anyone more worthy of love than yourself. And, you know, Buddha, of course, predates Hallmark, so... (laughs) This was like... We've heard it a million times, but when you think about it, its source, you know, because so often I think here we are doing our practice and trying to improve ourselves, or, you know, and I love that quote because it's really one of the most profound and deepest teachings in the Dharma, and I, uh, I was thinking about it because I was thinking about just the story I was t- telling about my um, journey from uh, where I come from and the kind of, you know, I think the kind of theology and in some ways psychology and point of view that many of us are raised with in um, our culture and in many cultures that says um, that there's something wrong with us and we have to fix it. And it's deeply ingrained in in Christianity, in Christian theology because the teaching of original sin is very central to much of Christian thought. That is why you need redemption. Everyone needs redemption the minute even you're born. You need redemption from the state of not being in a state of uh, perfection or uh, sort of being in a state that is... uh, it needs to be corrected somehow. And I just think that we all have that going on, most of us. I mean, if you don't, wonderful, bow to you. But most of us have a voice inside, and I know it in myself no matter you know, how many years go by. And uh, you know, the work of Stephen Levine, if you know him, wonderful, does so much wonderful work around this, about this voice that sort of is unrelenting and, and um, has many crafty ways of convincing us that... We, that there's something flawed about us. Um, you know, many of us who are gay and grow up raised in a certain time period, of course, that message was just like huge and direct and uh, violent. Um, and, and um, you know, some of us were, were luckier maybe to not have that as um, intense. But um, I, the more that I'm working in circles and teaching and stuff, the more I see that this is one of the things that we have to really, I think, work with. And sometimes in mindfulness and meditation practice, we come to it as another thing where we have to kind of make ourselves better or fix ourselves. And it just, you know, um, it starts from that starting place. And the wonderful thing really about, at least from what I've studied, and what I've heard uh, many teachers say. There, there isn't this idea in Buddhism or in the Dharma that there's something flawed about us that we need to fix. The, the, the teaching is actually the opposite. The teaching is that our true natures are absolutely sublime and perfect. And the, the issue really is that we've just forgotten who we are. 
That's it was just it's a, it's kind of, it's just a problem of forgetting, or they'll say ignorance, right? Which really means we're not seeing it clearly. We don't see it clearly. So instead, we've layered on all this conditioning and habits of the mind and uh, things we've been told, the voices of other people and the culture, and our own voices. Um, and we believe this about ourselves. And we have positive evidence, of course, we can show it, you know, we have a, the things we can say we've done wrong. Which, of course, we do. We're humans and we make mistakes. And we, and, 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 but we, can, we use that against ourselves to, to convince ourselves that something really is kind of uh, profoundly wrong with us. So, um, I, I just, I, I really love the Dharma because it's so kind of optimistic, you know, sometimes Buddhism's accused of being kind of a dour religion, you know, it's so, such a focus on suffering. But this other teaching really says that we are, they use often this image of we are this beautiful bright sky with the clear sun, all of us, this is the nature of what it means to be human, this is the nature, you can't change that, nothing you do can change that fact, that nature. And the clouds that come and go across and kind of obscure that um, can be worked with. And um, even the ones that have like set in over decades and decades of watering seeds of negative actions and thoughts, and it can be, those things can slowly, slowly, slowly um, dissolve. And one of the ways that is taught, of course, is, I mean, the different traditions have different ways to do that. Um, but um, in mindfulness sitting practice, it's taught that you know when you stop and slow down and sit in the silence, you start to learn that you you stop you stop identifying with those um, voices and emotional states and all the things that we think we are, and you start to get that little bit of separation from it, where you go, wow, well if that's not me, who am I then? If I'm not all of that, and you start to find moments that you actually rest in that what a lot of people will call beingness or just the nature of being and the great relief that comes from that so I would like to do a chant with you that's um, from the Heart Sutra and the Heart Sutra is a this really <coughs> interesting long story but the short of it is that it kind of came into Buddhism when Buddhism needed to be renewed it had got kind of overly uh, complicated and Prajnaparamita. If you've ever been to Spirit Rock, there's an image of the Buddha in the main temple, and there's an image of a female uh, being named Prajnaparamita, who's considered the mother of all Buddhas. She represents the mind of um, non-discrimination, the mind of absolute clear seeing and spaciousness that holds everything. And where everything comes from, all wisdom comes from that space. And um, they say that she is the one who brought forth the heart Sutra, and the if if you could sort of refine the Heart Sutra to anything, it's the chant that goes Gate Gate Paragate Parasamgate Bodhisvaha, and that chant I recently heard um, translated by Sultra Malayana, who's a wonderful Tibetan teacher, Lama, and she the way she just she translates it translates it as Let go, let go some more. Now really let go. <laughs> I love that because I had heard that, done that chant, and recorded that chant, and I sort of knew the official translations. But that, 
really worked for me. And it was like, what are we letting go of? You know, there's, we're letting go of all of that stuff that stands between us and that spacious mind and knowing who we really, truly are. So I um, thought it'd be nice to, to do that. And um, yeah, we'll just do it. We won't have any accompaniment. We'll just do it as voices. So the words are gate, gate, paragate, parasamgate, bodhisvaha. And really, it does translate as gone, gone, kind of just letting go. And svaha is just like a giant amen, or ashe, or so may it be. <clears throat> so really just relaxing into this and just taking that just breath of relief that happens when we realize there's nothing else to do. <clears throat> just allowing ourselves to rest and with this profound sense of really feeling this you know, sense of deep compassion and mercy for ourselves, <coughs> deep forgiveness, where that quote that, the, I, that I read about, the, spoke about the Buddha, the Buddha says about self-love, where it really um, can emerge from this space of Deep relaxation and quiet and, and deep letting go, really letting go, because it's in that place that compassion naturally arises. They say that compassion is a state that naturally flowers in us. It's not something you have to manufacture. Deep mercy for ourselves and deep, um, deep just kindness is also something that naturally arises when we let go. doesn't have to be pushed and muscled into. It actually doesn't, can't, can't work that way. Gate, gate,
and we chanted that on the hillside at Spirit Rock under the stars. And we did uh, what she calls sky gazing practice. And then we also did it in the early morning. We did it with our eyes open, just looking out at the trees and the hills and the sky. And try it sometime. It's wonderful. And we get a group together and just sit outside um, in nature and uh, benefit from the healing powers of the natural world. Um, and it's 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 and the and the spaciousness of the sky. It's, it's really meant, I think, to go together. So it's beautiful. <clears throat> well, I thought I'd do something completely different now. Um, this is something I call my Buddhist blues fusion. <laughs> it came out of um, a number of years ago, just out of pondering and being in that. In the great, terrible, beautiful mystery of change, of impermanence, of impermanence. and uh, you know how impermanence is—it's just horrible when you don't want something to end, or someone to leave, or someone to die. Or, you know, 
looking around the room. It's surely true for myself. I'm getting a little older. <laughs> I'm noticing it. You know, all of the, the ways that life is constantly changing. And when we don't want it to, it's, uh, it's a great source of, of suffering. And, and when, we, when, we, when we want it to, it's so wonderful and merciful. Like when the toothache goes away, right? Or the new door opens, the door. Always the new doors in the spring comes. So this is, um, it's called the turning of the wheels, a bit of a meditation on the inevitability of change. Burning leaves 
perform um, quite regularly at a uh, gathering that the Dharma teacher James Barrows does. Um, he has a whole a series he's been doing for years called Awakening Joy. And uh, it's a it's a whole course really on uh, how to live in these times and be present to the um, to what's really going on in our own lives and in the world, but not um, fall into despair and uh, depression and how to still have an open heart and a heart that's joyful. <clears throat> And to allow joy, and you know, like they say, the Taoists say that you know, life has its ten thousand joys and ten thousand sorrows, and they're all kind of commingle in each of us. And one of the antidotes that he talks about, and that you know, I know in my own life, and see it in people around me. One of the antidotes to despair and bitterness. Um, feeling victimized or um, just all the, all the ways we can feel as humans when things are, are painful and frightening. One of the antidotes is gratitude. Um, to really... And gratitude as a practice. So a lot of the people in, in the course are like, they have what they call gratitude buddies. And every morning they get up and email the things that they feel they're grateful for in that day, even if, you know, there's a lot of hard stuff happening, but they turn their minds towards it. You know, and Buddha talked a lot about whatever we incline our minds towards will grow in us. So, this piece I'm going to finish with is kind of my hymn of gratitude and love for the world in all of its it's everything. So I hope you'll join me. Because um, I really wrote it as a prayer to sing in groups. And I'll, uh, there's a song and then the chant, some of you might know it, then you'll hear it, but there's a chorus. Jasmine breeze 
when things began. It's just, I think the seeds of it are there, the creative energies, whatever that is, the, 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 imp, the, the, the movement towards creation in, in everything, really. I, mean, I could sort of theorize about where my music personally comes from, but that's a whole other story. It's not really time for that, but it is, you know, there's so many. It's a, can't imagine, you know, be having human culture without music, right? Every culture in the world, every culture, yes. Um, that's really beautiful. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Has it been medically proven that the vocal cords are actually connected to the tear ducts? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's a very good sign in you. <laughs> Hi. Is that high? is that little um, instrument a harmonium? What, well, what if it had piano keys uh -huh. on it, it'd be called a harmonium. This is called a shruti box. A what? Shruti box. S h r u t i. And anybody can play it. All you have to be able to do is go like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the training. And, uh, you can choose. It's wonderful. You can just choose the notes that you want to to. Uh, to use. I'll get this open, I can show you how that works. Um, you just choose the notes. And it's really just like a bellows, you know, in a box, accordion in a box. And it really was it, it's from India, and you can go to Indian import stores, like in Berkeley and University Avenue, and they sell beautiful ones there. And wonderful way to um, sing and chant. It's hard to think Well, a really good one, maybe 150, 180. Maybe 200 for, yeah. it used to be 100, but now. <laughs> oh, I just wanted, could you say that quote from the Buddha again? That was really nice. You can uh, search the whole world over and never find anyone more deserving of love than yourself. Thank you so much for um, absolutely amazing time that I've had. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you once again, Jennifer. Um, it's our host here today. Oh, it's me. I'm Cass. I'm your host today. Please stay and enjoy the fellowship of the song. There's refreshments. Um, tea and cookies, so um, if you have some tea, please wash your cup with hot soap and water. Um, there's a sign-up list um, so that you can stay in touch with the uh, Sangha. And um, I'll be going around with a Donna bowl. Um, um, I'd encourage you to help support the uh, Sangha meet its expenses. I guess five to eight dollars is recommended. Or whatever you choose to donate. And some people go to lunch after the social hour. Um, they meet at the front door at around 12.30. Any announcements? Jerry? Hi. Uh, Jennifer, thank you for coming. You're great. Hope you can come back maybe in the fall. <laughs> choose to. Uh, you're great. And uh, next week we're going to have Tova Green here. And she is a Zen uh, teacher. And in two weeks, we're going to have Suvana Cullen, who is head of the San Francisco Buddhist Center where we meet. 
And interesting enough, she's going to talk on introduction to the Heart Sutra. Mm -hmm. So if you're interested more about what we're saying to today, okay, thanks. Yes, uh, on Saturday, March 20th, um, we're having an all-day sitting here um, in this room. And there are flyers <coughs> out by the Donable. Please take one, and there's instructions and how to register and who to send the registration to. But it's an all-day from about 10 to 04 on Saturday, March 20th. Um, out by the old directories, there's a new draft, um, and if you're interested in looking at that to see that your information is correct, that would be great. I'm trying to make it correct, but I'm, you know, the flaw is still with me. <laughs> Let go. <laughs> but if you hear this or listen, just correct. Have a look. Thank you. I'm, co oh. I'm coordinating the food for the 20th, so. I could use some volunteers, so if that's even remotely interesting, please talk to me. The second thing is we received a thank you note from the Zen Center, the song that donated $450 to their prison outreach project. And it's partially because of your generosity every week, but also in our annual drive, we're now over $2,000. So uh, thank you very much. Um, you know, it's, keep it coming, and you see what good things happen when that does happen. So thank you. Uh, three weeks from today, the 21st, right after our retreat, um, there will be a memorial in the afternoon after our normal sitting for our friend Don Mahadeen. Um, so details will be coming out on the listserv if you subscribe to the ACO group. Um, and in sometime in the near future, we're going to try and get a head count because it will be catered and the whole bit. It will be off-site. But details will follow, so look at the list and we'll have some printed stuff. <coughs> uh, Jennifer, did you bring any of your CDs? Yes, I did. She's Thank got some regular session turning I use for meditation. Thank so. you. Yeah, I have CDs. And um, I'll, I'll put out a little list if you want to be notified of things I'm doing locally. I do um, concerts and uh, various events and things. And have a new album coming out that I'm working on now that is based in the loving kindness prayer. And it's all sung. And I'm uh, so it features Jack Cornfield and a number of other beautiful singers. And so if you want to know about it, you can just you can give me your email. I'd love to. And then only I only send out for that kind of thing. Thanks, Jim. Anyone else? Yeah, who group? No, I just have a website, but you can always write me from the from the website. Yeah. And I believe Jesse and Sam, can you raise your hands? You're new today, so everybody. Welcome them during the social hour, if you will. And let's go ahead and stand for our dedication to <laughs> By the power and truth of this practice, may all beings have happiness and the causes of happiness. May all be free from sorrow and the causes of sorrow. May all never be separated from the sacred happiness, which is without sorrow. And may all live in equanimity without too much attachment or too much aversion and live believing in the equality of all that lives.
Thank you for listening to the Gay Buddhist Forum. If you would like to hear several new talks per month and be notified of upcoming speakers so you can participate live, please subscribe to this podcast, like us on Facebook, and join our mailing list by visiting gaybuddhist.org.